How are we doing today, guys? My name is Michael Polak. I am the church uh, planner resident here at First Alliance Church, and I am so happy to be with you guys today. Um, and the, the season of Thanksgiving is now over, and we're going into a unique time in the year, right? We're going into a special time in the year, and it's the Christmas season. You love it or hate it, but it's a special time of the year. And this season is also known as Advent. And Advent, uh, this is one of the earliest prayers, recorded prayers of the early church, and the term was Maranatha. And it, it just means, come Lord Jesus, Maranatha. And today, uh, during the season, we celebrate the three comings of Jesus Christ, right? The first one is the flesh in Bethlehem as a baby. We celebrate him in our hearts daily. And we also celebrate the glory of God at the end of time. And I'm super excited to start our Advent series today, but I want to start with this question. Why do we celebrate the birth of Jesus? Right? Have you ever asked yourself that question before? Like, I understand why we celebrate Easter, right? Because Easter is where uh, Jesus died and he rose again, is, is the anchor of our faith as a Christian, right? Jesus rising from the dead validates what he claimed to be. He said, I am God, and here's the evidence and proof. I, I rose from the dead. So I understand why we celebrate the, the, the Easter, the, the Resurrection Sunday, but why do we celebrate the birth? Is there any importance to it, or is it just an old tradition that we just do because our parents did? But to answer that question, we're going to have to go into Isaiah chapter 8, and we'll see what Isaiah has to say about the birth of the Messiah. But before we do that, let's pray together. Father, as we enter a season of Advent, I pray for peace and perspective to be renewed in this season of busyness. I pray that your word will feed us and that your spirit will lead us in this season of Advent. I pray that the words in my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so we see it. So we have to go to the book of Isaiah. And in Isaiah chapter 8, he starts to prophesy about this dark time that's going to come over Israel. And this dark time he's talking about, he's talking about the, the exile of the northern kingdom. Right? You see in the map here, uh, Israel was split into two. So we have King Saul, and then we have King David, and then he has his son Solomon. And then Solomon has a son named Rehoboam. And because of Rehoboam being a knucklehead, this happens. The kingdom splits. So the southern kingdom is called Judah, and the northern kingdom is called Israel. And they say, you know, we're going to have our own king, and our capital is going to be Samaria. And every one of these kings, if you ever read the book of Kings, this king was evil in the sight of the Lord. This king was evil. Like, it goes on. They had 20 kings, and they all were evil. So Isaiah starts to prophesy, and he says, there's going to be a darkness that's going to come over Israel, right? You guys are going to be wiped away by the king of Assyria. He says this in Isaiah 8, verse uh, 22. And they will look into the earth, and behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. And because they were unfaithful and because they wouldn't return to the Lord, 
We see this happens in 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 29. In the days of Pekah, king of Israel, Tiglath-Pileser, the king of Assyria, came and captured Galilee, all the lands of Naphtali, and he carried the people captive to Assyria. Remember those names, Galilee, Naphtali. Remember those lands, and those people were carried away. And here, as we heard on the video earlier, in the title of my message, we have people here who are sitting in darkness. They have no hope. They have no light. They have no future. They were just taken captive, and they, in their minds, there is no future. There is no more Israel. But God is faithful. Come on, I'm going to say it again. But God is faithful. So often after we hear a pronouncement of judgment on a people, on usually the Israelites, we see God's mighty hand. We see God's faithfulness to his people. Because Isaiah didn't end at Isaiah chapter 8. He keeps going. And here's what it says, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. But, we see that word but a lot in the Bible. Yeah, this is going to happen. Yeah, you're going to be in darkness. Yeah, things are going to come. There's going to be bad times. But, I'm not done with you yet. But, there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into the contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Right? He's talking about the exile here. He brought this land into contempt. But in a latter time, sometime in the future, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. He's going to turn gloom into glory. We don't know how he's going to do this yet, but we know he's going to reach all people. God's heart is always to reach all people. And when I was reading this, it reminded me of God's promise to Abraham back in Genesis. Genesis 12, verse 2, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And he goes on to say, you will be a blessing to the whole world, to all the nations, because I'm going to make your name great. Galilee of the nations. I think there's a map there of, yeah. So here's the map of Israel in the time of Jesus. And we see that Galilee is all the way up at the top. And, and this land is, is surrounded by Gentile nations. And it's actually the poorest nation of all, of all of those in Israel. But God said, this is going to be the origin point where I'm going to show my, show my glory. Right? I'm not going to go to Judea. Right? I'm not going to go to the heart. I'm not going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to go where people don't expect me to go. I'm going to go where there's the most brokenness. I'm going to show you guys that my goal is to reach the whole nations, not just Israel, everyone. With this light, I'm about to come and shine. Right? Hey Amen. Where was Jesus from? Nazareth, which is in Galilee. 
In this place, Galilee, the whole region was in low esteem in the time of Jesus. We see in John chapter 1, John goes to his friend, uh, um, not John, Philip goes to his friend named Nathaniel. And he's coming up and he says, yo, yo, Nathaniel, guess what? We found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus is Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathan was like, where? <laughs> Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's where all the slums and poor people are. Uh, uh, nothing can good come out of there. They're next to Gentiles. They're too close to Gentiles. If you would have said Jerusalem, okay, I, maybe I would have believed you, right? Because if God's going to do a work, he's going to come out of Jerusalem. But you're telling me this guy is coming out of Nazareth? That's in Galilee, right? Philip's response, I love it. Come and see. Come and see. God said, this is where I'm going to show my glory. Going back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. And the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. In the latter time, and sometime in the future, yeah, you guys are about to go in exile. You guys are going to need this word because you guys are going to lose hope in exile. But I have not forgotten about you. In the latter time, there will be a light that comes. But remember, we're still answering the question. Why do we celebrate the birth? Why is the birth of Jesus so important? Because I'll be honest, growing up, it was just like, yeah, this season is just, everyone's always worried about gifts and money, and it's just, it's hectic in this time. And I always just wanted it to pass through. And I was like, man, we don't even celebrate the birth anyway. We celebrate money. We celebrate things. But as I dove into this text this week, I was like, man, there's a reason why we celebrate the birth. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and he shall be, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is the start of the movement of the people of God from gloom to glory, from darkness to light, from sorrow to joy. The birth of Messiah is going to birth this new age in. That's why we celebrate the birth. He said the birth of Messiah is going to be a new way of doing things. We celebrate the birth of Jesus because we no longer have to live in darkness. We no longer have to live as people without hope. This is why we celebrate the birth. And my prayer is that we don't let this Advent season just come and go this year. Right? We have a reason to be joyful. We have a reason to be hopeful. And yeah, I know it was snowing yesterday and it's about to get cold outside. And in Toledo, it's going to get dark outside. And even if this time of year comes with hurt and pain, because I'm very sensitive to that as well. The Christmas season ain't joy for everybody. This time comes with hurt. 
But even if that's the case, light is on the horizon. Light is on the horizon. And, and, um, and when we see this, uh, Jesus, we see Jesus fulfill this prophecy in the beginning of his ministry, right? He fulfills this prophecy of Isaiah. So now we're in Matthew chapter 3. Let's go to Matthew chapter 3. Jesus goes to his cousin, John the Baptist, and he gets baptized. You know, he gets baptized. Heavens open up. God said, this is my son who I'm love, who I'm well pleased. And the spirit came on him like a dove. And then he got sent into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights. Now we're in Matthew chapter 4, right? Beginning of Matthew chapter 4, we see the temptation. We see Jesus knock it out the park with the word. And then angels came and attended to him. And now this is after he leaves 40 days and 40 nights. This is where we pick up. Now he heard that John has been arrested, his cousin, John the Baptist. He withdrew to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went to live in Capernaum, where? By the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, a great light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. What is Jesus saying here? He said that, you know that light Isaiah talked about? That's me. And if you want to be a part of that light, turn from your sins. This is Jesus' first message. This is Jesus' message. It doesn't change throughout the Gospels. This is his message. Repent. Turn from your sins. Turn from the way you're living. Turn from the darkness. For the kingdom of God is at hand. And I am the one ushering in this new kingdom. Stop, stop staying in gloom. Stop staying in darkness. Repent, for the kingdom of God was at hand. Jesus is saying, follow me. I'm that great light. Follow me. And then right after this, he then goes on a mountain, and he starts to preach to his disciples. And we know this as a sermon on the mount. Right after he says this statement about who's the light, he's the light, he's coming to fulfill. Then he says this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. He says, you are the light of the world. So let's see the progression here. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 8, he prophesies about this darkness that's going to come. The Assyrians come. They wipe out the northern kingdom of Israel. There's this deep darkness in the land. But in the latter time, gloom and it's going to come. A great light. The birth of the Messiah will usher in this new kingdom of great light. And then Jesus steps on the scene. He says, I'm, I'm, going, I'm from here. I'm from Galilee. I'm going to live in Capernaum. I'm going to live by the sea. I'm going to show you that I am that great light that Isaiah talked about. 
And now, how are we going to spread this light to the world? You are the light. You are the light. Light of the world. Not just the light of Galilee. Not just the light of, of, of Israel. But he says the light of the world. All nations, like God said to Abraham, all nations will be blessed through you. Going back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. So they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Guys, we are little lights. He's the great light. We're the little lights. And we point people back to the Father. Say, I, I, I live this way because of the Father. The life of a Christian should look radically different than anyone else around them. When people try to come up and start to gossip about someone, you say, hold on. That person's made an image of God. I'm not going to gossip about that person. You stand up for that person. Made an image of God. When someone tried to get you to lie on your taxes, you say, nah, this honest game robs me of my life. I don't live that way. Call me corny if you want. I don't live that way. When someone tries to get you to hate someone on the other political aisle as you, oh, this person voted for this person. Well, I don't hate, I love, because God loved me first. We can't be, we can't be ashamed to talk about our Lord and the reason why we live. And I wanted to come here, and I wanted to ask you the question, are you living a life of light? Are you living that life? And I wanted to come and scream, but you say, you know what? When I was, I was doing a little bit of re-editing this morning, I don't want to come super hard. I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to live a life of light. This is, this, this is the season to do it. This is the season to walk into that life of life. John 1 verse 5 says, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. When you live a life of light, people are going to walk around scratching their heads. Saying, man, I don't, you, live, you live a different way. Why do you live that way? And our temptation is going to be like, man, because I'm a good person. You know, I'm, I go to church. So that's our temptation just to brag on ourselves. But we got to point people to God and say, man, I live this way only because of what God has done in my life. Let me tell you about him. That's it. Joseph lived a life of life. In every season of Joseph's life, he lived a life of light. And we know the story, right? Joseph, let's start with Abraham. Abraham has a son named Isaac. Isaac has a son named Jacob. And then Jacob has 12 sons. But he loved Joseph the most because he loved his mom the most. There's a whole family drama. You got to read it in Genesis, right? But he, he loved his mom the most. So then he loved Joseph the most. So it was 11 older brothers, 12, 10 older brothers. They're like, you know what? Let, let's sell them. We're going to sell them to Egypt as a slave. 
So now Joseph is in slavery, and, and he's in slavery, and he got, he got bought by this guy named Potiphar. So he goes into Potiphar's house, and he had two decisions there. He could have pouted. He was about 17 at the time, 18 at the time. Could have pouted, cried around, or he can live a life of light. And that's what he did. Joseph got on the scene. Potiphar had no worries. He said, man, this, <laughs> I don't know this Hebrew guy. He's talking about some God, but I have, my house is being blessed right now because of him. I have no cares for my house. He left Joseph at 10, everything he had. Potiphar's wife also noticed that too. Try to take advantage of him. He, and, and I love Joseph's response here. He doesn't just say, no, that's not the right thing to do. He says, well, I sin against God this way? Even in the midst of temptation, he pointed back to God and says, uh, no, I'm not going to sin against God. I'm not going to sin against my master. Because of that, she lies on him. She lies about it. Now he's in jail. He's in jail. Another, another time of tension. But now the, the captain of the, of the jail, he has no worries either. Joseph's in town. Joseph's in a prison. And he says, you know what? Because Joseph's here, I'm being blessed. Because he's living a life of light in the prison. These two guys come up. Joseph's like, hey, you guys look sad. Let me help you out. They had two dreams. One was good, one was bad. He asked God, God, can you help me interpret these dreams? God interprets the dreams. The chief baker, the cupbearer, he's restored. The baker is, he dies, but the cupbearer is restored. Joseph said, hey, remember me when you get out. Two years later, guys forget about him. Two years later, a pharaoh has a dream now. And the, and the chief cupbearer, he said, you know what? I remember in my time of affliction, there was this guy. He was living a life of light. And his God can help you out with this dream. So they get Joseph to clean him up. He goes to Pharaoh. And Joseph doesn't say, I can interpret your dream. Sure, I can do it all by myself. He says, I, I can't do anything. But my God can interpret your dream. Tell me your dream. He then interprets his dream. And he says, you need to, need to put someone up as a steward over there. He didn't say me, right? He didn't say, hey, get me out of this jail. I just did you a favor. Get me out. He says, no, this is what you need to do. X, Y, Z. There's going to be a famine. X, Y, Z. Pharaoh said, why don't, I, why don't I choose you? Just like that. Joseph second in command over the most powerful nation in the world at that time. Pharaoh had no, he had no issues now. Joseph's in control. He lived a life of light. He didn't just live a life that was radically different. He always pointed people to the source of his light. And that's my encouragement today. In this Christmas season, let's start pointing people to the source of our light. Unfortunately, there's people who are still living in darkness. But we have this light. And this little light of mine, 
I'm going to let it shine. One time I, I was riding a bus and I found this wallet on the floor. So I go, I pick up the wallet, look inside, look for an ID. And there was about 30 bucks there in cash. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do the right thing. I turned that, I gave it to Transit Authority. And Transit Authority, he opens up the wallet, he looks in, he looks at me. He said, there's still cash in here. There's still cash in here. And he's saying, why didn't you steal the cash? Because I've gotten 100 wallets, and there's never cash in there still if someone finds it. You know, I just said, you know, because I'm a good guy, and walked away. (laughs) Right? Just because it's like, I don't want to be that guy who's saying the Lord, the Lord, but we need to be that guy. Because the reason why I didn't steal that money, because of what the Word says. That's not loving someone if you steal their money. Guys, message is not hard today. I just want to encourage you to be, to live a life of light. Don't let Advent just come and go this year. Another Christmas season, another season where I got to just buy gifts for people. Don't let it come and go. Be, be people of hope. We know the reason for the season. Be people of hope, people of joy. We no longer have to live in darkness. For unto us a child is born.